Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar. I'm Reviews Editor Sherlyn Lowe. And uh, somehow we made it to the end of the year. <laughs> we are now talking about the best and worst tech of 2020, a pair of stories Sherlyn prepared for us. So I, uh, I hope you had fun doing that, Sherlyn. God, it was, uh, it was uh, <laughs> an undertaking. It was an undertaking. It seems like a huge endeavor. Uh, check out those in stories and gadget as always. Um, if you're enjoying the show, please be sure to subscribe to the Engadget podcast on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Spotify seems like a big one these days. Leave us a review on iTunes because that actually makes a huge deal in terms of how people find us. And drop us an email at podcastengadget.com. And actually, the email is very important this week because we're collecting questions for our Q&A episode at the very last week of the year. So if you want your questions answered, could be anything. Keep them PG-13, please. I, I've seen some of those other questions. And, uh, you know, we, we can't, we can't answer everything. Internet, sorry. <laughs> Let's start with the biggest winners of the year. Shalyn, I'll let you lead all, all yeah. of this stuff because you get the fun section. What, what do you want to talk about? Wow. What was the biggest thing? <laughs> Um, okay, so just to zoom out a little bit, mm-hmm. right, putting together the best and worst of or winners and losers in tech every year has been kind of like my responsibility for the I don't know, last few years. And like, usually you kind of get a sense of like, you know, some of the things that jump out at you. Mm-hmm. But this year, despite it being <laughs> such a bad year, had a lot more winners than I expected. Huh. Like the list of li- winners as I was like, kind of you know, reaching the point where I had to assign the, the things out. Um, it kept getting longer and longer. And then the poor little losers list was like three items long. And I was just like, <laughs> all right, guys, we need to look for some losers. I'm sure there were some losers in 2020. It's pretty obvious. Or, or um, did the year, did the year like sort of weed out the, the actual garbage, right. you know, and only the good stuff rose to the top. I don't know. Right. Maybe companies were like, let's, uh, let's not, uh-huh. let's not do something shitty this year. Mm-hmm, we'll do mm-hmm. it next year instead. So anyway, the list was really long and it's hard to just, you know, call out one thing that stood out. I think the good news is a lot of it was hardware related, but also Mm -hmm. a lot of software. So I think we're going to start with the most, I guess, something in recent memory, the Apple M1 CPU, which is ridiculous. Go ahead. I think you wrote it up, right, Dev? I did. I wrote this one up. And also when we talked about it here on the show, I called it 
probably the single most significant thing that was announced this year. And I still think that's true. I just put up my review with the MacBook Pro M1, and uh, it doesn't feel like as revolutionary as the Air did. Mm-hmm. But these chips are crazy fast. They have a ton of graphics power, and it shows that Apple is really serious about taking on Intel and AMD. And they're doing it well. The software, there are some issues with compatibility with older stuff, but for the most part, it works really well. And I'm impressed by how seamless it is. This is what Apple is going to do for the next 10 years, you know, basically own their own slice of computing and not have to wait for Intel or AMD anymore. I feel like that's super important. It really puts the pressure on everybody else. You know, Intel looks really bad right now because they're Mm -hmm. not expecting seven nanometer chips until like freaking 2022. At this point, <laughs> AMD is launching 7 nanometer, but they're still lagging behind what Apple is doing here. Meanwhile, Apple drops this 5 nanometer, super efficient, beautifully designed chip uh, that can make a MacBook Air faster than most other PCs. Like that, that is astounding to me, especially when we see like other attempts at Snapdragon or you know mobile chips running desktops, right? I think, yeah. And that's that's the other reason I was like, because you were out when we were calling for nominations, but mm-hmm. I was like, even Devendra, you know, will agree with me that this is a winner of the year because yeah. Apple just showed up the competition so badly. Like they, the entire they, PC industry, they just like, yeah, sorry, yeah. guys. They all ate, uh, I guess, humble pie is the, is the <laughs> PG appropriate word for this. But but yeah, it was it was very embarrassing. And also the fact that it's a first gen product, mm-hmm. really, and it still did so well. Like, you know how careful we are about first gen products in general. Mm-hmm. And and that's nuts. That's just nuts that like universally to not just us, but like reviewers and across the industry found that this was such a good product with some exceptions for people sure. who are looking for very like uh, enterprise heavy workloads or something enterprise like that. Enterprise like, heavy or pro heavy. Like I actually knocked the MacBook Pro a little in my review because mm-hmm. there's a lot of software that isn't compatible. Pro tools, most audio tools just don't work on this. And also the fact that it's limited to 16 gigabytes of RAM, one external monitor, like there are issues here for professionals, but I yeah. think for the vast majority of PC users, like this is a fantastic chip for this year. And I'm sure by next year, we will see this evolve really quickly. And 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 like you said, like because it embarrassed the PC industry so much, <laughs> the good news is that it would hopefully spur them to do better, right? Like competition yeah. is good. Sure, sure. Competition is good, although these like these timelines for what these chip builders are doing, these are laid out years in advance, right? So yeah, I think true. this is more like we will see the results of this in two or three years when Intel and AMD has a chance to catch up. But I'm thinking about building, you know, a new PC at some point this year because my Intel 8700K is apparently bottlenecking my GPU, which is crazy to me. Um, But I'm thinking of going to AMD because if I'm building a new desktop system, that's where I'm at. In a couple of years, I do wonder what Apple will do, like how these chips will even compare to the fastest desktop chips, you know? I, I, mm-hmm. I can't wait to see the power that comes from this. So anyway, this was a very obvious, <laughs> one of the more obvious wins for us. But I think also there were plenty of obvious wins too, right, <laughs> Devendra? Like, I mean, I don't think anyone would be surprised that uh, gaming consoles are on is on our list. Um, just the entire category. It's not just sure. the PS5 and Xbox, but also the Switch. Um, because I mean, remember mm-hmm. when Animal Crossing came out, everybody's like, Switch is out of stock. <laughs> well, I, I would Get say mainly Switch. the new game consoles are right. Like we're excited about new yes. hardware, whereas the Switch is just getting us into, hey, it's still good. It's it's three years old. It's still good. They're still sure. producing good games for it. But yeah. I, I think I meant like, I mean, yes, for sure this mm-hmm. year, the gaming consoles would have won regardless, right? Yeah. Pandemic be damned, it would have won. But 
because of COVID, like all gaming, all consoles, not even hardware alone, software also won. I mean, like we、mm-hmm. threw a shout out in our just wrote the blurb up for us, and the, we threw a shout out to Animal Crossing as one of the things that got a lot of people through part of the lockdown. Yeah.、Um, yeah. I mean, you obviously like have more、uh, experience with the hardware here, Devendra. But you would also agree, right? I mean, in terms of the hardware, Sony and Microsoft did not disappoint. Yeah, I, th- I think the hardware is good. Check out my reviews of you know the Xbox Series X, the PS5. Just reviewed the Xbox Series S. The hardware is great. And、it's fantastic. Even if like we don't like some of the designs, I do think there are broader issues around. Hey, the games are actually available and availability. Like, can you actually buy these systems? We'll talk about that in the biggest losers side. But、mm-hmm. as pieces of hardware, as upgrades over the last generation, these are fantastic machines, and I feel like I'm I'm happy with them. You know, as pure hardware, I hope the software catches up to them. Yeah, I I have exactly zero experience with either of these <laughs> consoles. Actually, no, that's not true. I have touched a PS Five. Um, I mean, to the point where it's got me considering, or pretty sure I'm going to buy one of these things. You know what I mean?、Like, sure. I think that that's that's a win for gaming because they've gotten people like me who are not actual like not full on gamers, right? To really well, you're you're、invest. a very particular type of gamer. We will talk <laughs> about that at some point. Um, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that.、Uh, <laughs> one thing I'll shout out here, by the way, is like just like these little components of the hardware. That's actually, in some ways, these consoles are outdoing PCs, right? These con- these、mm. consoles, the way they've implemented SSDs, Sony especially, the load times between you know the memory and the disk drive is astoundingly fast. And even if you put in a next generation SSD in a top of the line PC, you're not going to get some of those speeds. So these companies、yeah. are actually doing things that PC gamers don't have just yet. And they're doing it at a price point where a decent video card already costs five hundred bucks. These consoles get you everything, you know, decent PC gaming level、right. quality for five hundred bucks. That's astounding. It's nuts. I think like、mm-hmm. features like quick resume. I think、yeah. um, that's Xbox only. I think right.、Yeah. I can't remember already. But yeah, yeah I mean, quick resume is those... Xbox, but Sony has better load times because of their、yeah. their architecture right now. So yeah. Gotcha. I mean,、mm-hmm. yeah. Again, it's everything they promised us from last year, and they did. Did I think effectively serve up at least based on the reviews and yeah, based on like for the most part,、experience. and and there were some surprises too, right? That PS Five, the DualSense controller, right? I was a little iffy on it. I didn't know like design wise if I'd like it, but it's bigger and it feels good. All of the like next generation haptics Sony is doing is、yeah. fantastic. The sort of like tension filled triggers feel great, and that's、yeah. actually one thing that I think Sony has over Microsoft. I do feel like competition here is going to push Microsoft to create some of their like their own. Super haptic infused、um, controller because also I didn't like the Series X controller. They haven't changed that much, right? So yeah, that's the reason the PS5 DualSense controller itself was、mm-hmm. a special, like, was a win on our list too. Like, we already have gaming consoles as their own like general win, but you know, Chris Holt, one of our writers,、um, pitched it, and I was like, you know what?、Mm-hmm. I think we can give this an, a spot as well because.、Yeah. It differentiates the PlayStation Five from the other, like X, from the Xbox, I guess. And、mm-hmm. also, Microsoft hasn't、uh, meaningfully updated the controllers since the Xbox 360, at least according to Aaron's、yeah. supports. So, so game consoles are good. What else have we been doing this year? I feel like there's one particular thing we've all ended up being forced to do throughout 2020. <sighs> I mean, we're on it right now, aren't we?、Yeah. Like we're basically <laughs> Zoom is our lives. Like lit- I just came、mm-hmm. and I. Zoom won. Zoom, Zoom had a big win this year, and video Before, chat in general, but especially Zoom. Yeah, especially Zoom. I mean, since the pandemic started, 
the stock price of that company. I don't like to talk <laughs> about stock prices in general because that's kind of like not yeah. everyone can relate. But it shot up five hundred and five percent. Five hundred and five percent. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, oh lord. Um, every I mean, every VC that was betting on like remote tech and everything, like they just all their stuff yeah. like rolled in at the same time. Yeah. So yeah, and they you know out. to. To, to focus on Zoom just a little bit more, th- to its credit, Zoom is widely lauded among the accessibility community for mm-hmm. being one of the best platforms to use for people who have different needs. Like, it's uh, tagged all its menu items properly for screen readers and stuff like that, you know, so blind and low vision people mm-hmm. can use it well. I, I have spoken to a lot of people in this uh, community recently, and you'll hear why later, but Zoom, I mean, well done for being good on accessibility. I think that's so important, and that's one of the reasons, too, it made our list. But other video chatting services also got pulled along. I guess it's like one of those rising tide all boats situations <laughs> where... <laughs> <laughs> Even blue jeans. The Even blue I do jeans. not. Like hey, blue hey, jeans. listen. Verizon <laughs> is buying blue jeans. Therefore, it is the best. And, That's what uh, I meant. We, we love our corporate parent. Yeah, got got some money from uh-huh. our parent company. Um, I mean, it, it, sure, you know, good for <laughs> them and us, I guess. Um, but but yeah, even so, blue jeans. Like every every video thing has taken some sort of like right. major lift from this. Yeah, it made me discover that there were like other like video conferencing <laughs> solutions people were using. Did you know Amazon has something called Chime? Like what? I mean, um, yeah. And they have the, they have their Alexa thing too. I do feel like this is the year all our grandparents and like everybody else was oh kind boy. of forced to learn how video chat works. For yeah. me, it's been, hey, I taught my parents how to use FaceTime because if they want to see my daughter, they want to see their grandchild, you know, they're going to have to learn how to video chat, especially now when we're separated from each other, even though I live like right near them. So that's the weird yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then so, I mean, the the... the the companies that we already knew made these things, right? Apple with FaceTime, but Apple's FaceTime is more consumer facing, right? Like some of the biggest mm-hmm. wins in video conferencing were work uh, solutions. So like yeah. Meet, Google Meet, and uh, I guess Skype for business. But like if you think about <laughs> what happened. I think, I think I you're forgetting Microsoft Teams. Teams, I know. Everybody loves <laughs> Teams. Feels like so long ago, <laughs> but I love how everyone just started copying Zoom's like uh, features like grids yeah. and like backgrounds well, and all of these. It's things. really the instant log on, right? That's all it is. Right. You get a link, you hit Click, a button, you're in the chat. It. That's like, that's right. like the beauty of zoom. Everybody started copying that. We tried using that in Skype for a little, by the way, like when Microsoft took it and it didn't mm-hmm. work, like the Skype connection just wouldn't, wouldn't quite do it. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. teams does a good job with that now, thankfully, like the continuum yes. browser yes. feature in teams works, but if any service, <laughs> I'm looking at you, uh, I think WebEx. Anyway, WebEx, uh, yeah. if you try to make me create an account to take a call anymore, I, then I swear hate you. to God, yeah. I will find your servers <laughs> and melt them. And set them like, on fire. <laughs> I will melt them. I don't even like put them on my mm. Wex melter for mm-hmm. 300 hours and melt them. So anyway, um, uh-huh, but uh-huh. <laughs> it's a lot of software stuff, but also... Uh, hardware, right? Like Zoom, like uh, Facebook Portal. As much as I loathe to mention Facebook Portal, they sold out, and like they sold like ten times more than they ever did before. Uh, in like in May, yeah. Compared Be- to because like a few months before, it's like the only dedicated video chat device too. Like that's the main thing. Everyone was like, Facebook, why are you making these? video chat screen they were like know? we saw the pandemic coming they saw something coming yeah but also webcams just buying a webcam i remember we were trying yeah. to find you a nicer webcam at some point really it was just really yeah. hard 
to find anything yeah. in stock. Oh, like a good one. Yeah, exactly. Like mm-hmm. the Brio that I'm using now, the Logitech Brio is out of stock everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, streaming became huge. Uh, quickly, sh- I want to shout out that there are other smart displays out there that compete with the Facebook portal, but not on the same level, right? So no. like the Google Nest Hub Max and the Nest Hubs, sure. and even Amazon has Echo Shows. Uh, Google did a good job of adding more features. So like support yeah. for other video calling services other than its own meat. Mm-hmm. Um, Doesn't, so and think, they have one the screen rotates now to follow you, which is super cool, right? Ooh, one of those what do you mean by devices. they? Oh, Porto. Like the, it's, yeah. that's a Facebook. Uh, yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Facebook also well, made no. that. One of the nests now also moves around with you. Oh, yeah. you mean the framing? Yeah. There's the, yeah, the auto frame feature for mm-hmm. sure. So that that one I, that was announced with the Nest Hub uh, Max when it was launched, I think, last year too. Uh, and I think that that was a feature that they saw maybe happen on Facebook's portal. Mm-hmm. And then they, you know, hey. got inspired is the word for it. Um, uh, but anyway, so so the good news is that like with the rise of all these, um, of all the need for all of these things, right? Like all the services, even though they were basically just copying each other, they also improve. Like through mm-hmm. that, they improve. But the one thing I, I want to quickly shout out is that like the one thing no one notices because it's not talked about so much is the accessibility features I don't think have sure. been improved as much, right? Zoom, mm-hmm. I shouted out because they've done a pretty good job. But I think every other video conference solution because people rely on it so heavily now, I would love for you to please think about your accessibility features. Please think about like people who are low-sighted, you know, hard of hearing and deaf, mobility issues. How are they going to use your services and think about how to improve your service for them? Mm-hmm. Let's take a step back also into, into video games because we played a lot of video games this year. I reviewed NVIDIA's RTX 3080 and actually reviewed all the 3000 series cards. But the 3080 in particular is astounding because this thing is, what, $699. It is as powerful as their old $1,500 card. Um, And basically everything NVIDIA produced this year is a pretty major upgrade over the last generation of RTX cards. It it makes ray tracing faster. It makes uh, the cost to get into a decent ray tracing card much, much lower. Um, The 3070, which is the one I think most people will enjoy, is uh, is $499, which is... The cost of a new console, but when it comes to PC hardware, that's actually not too bad. And they just announced the 3060 Ti, which is going to be 400 The problem with all of these is actually getting stock, and we'll talk about some of that yeah. in the <laughs> loser's point. Um, all these cool products are out. These companies can't quite get them out in time, but at least we know the hardware is good. It's legit. It works fast. Uh, I've been playing um, you know, Cyberpunk on the 3060 Ti and the 3080, and it's still like a pretty decent experience, even as that game has its own problems. So, you know, Kudus 10 Video, like this is a company that we kind of make fun of for their marketing hype. Like they really know how to hype themselves up, but they also deliver in ways that I think are genuinely notable. You know, I also reviewed the new AMD graphics cards mm-hmm. and they're fine. They're very good, but it's clear that AMD, um, that NVIDIA has the lead when it comes to ray tracing. And that's more and more important, you know, over the next couple of years. So, hey, NVIDIA, once again, has a great family of video cards. Yeah, they were a winner last year and this mm-hmm. year they've won again. And it's clear because like the entire gaming category, it feels like this is gaming related. So like yeah. just gaming on a whole and <laughs> anything that's sort of tangentially related seemed to have really done very well this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but you know, that's, these were all things I think we agree on. Yes, but now we're getting some... into the contentious part of the list. <laughs> contentious. Devendra and I are going to fight it uh-huh. out, all right? Or or I'm going to yield to everything. But um, <laughs> This is now the biggest winners, question mark? Push, oh, portion boy. of the list. 
This is this is the section called Devendra was off for two weeks, so yeah. we had to decide. And I, I don't know what the hell you guys did. That's that's really wow. what it is. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Well, it was my decision. So, mm-hmm. um, the next winner on our list, I think, is one of the most contentious. It is foldables, and it was yeah. This is yeah. me doing a spit take. I don't actually want to spray water on my mic, but okay, okay. Please go on. Um, so in this, in looking at foldables this year, I was like, are they a winner or are they a loser? And that was my <laughs> thought process. Yeah. I went to Chris Velasco, who I was going to assign the blurb to anyway, and said, hey, what do you think? Are they a winner or a loser? And he said, I think they won. I'm sorry. Let <laughs> me do a better V impression. Yeah, fam, bruh, I think they won. <laughs> wow. Um, that that's, was a bad impression. That's harsh. That <laughs> is harsh. Winner. I but you also, winner. you, you talked to the one person you know, in our staff who is surrounded by foldable phones. So I feel like but just by the, the, the process of that, osmosis, he loves them. Yeah. No, but doesn't that make him the best person to judge <laughs> sure, though? Like sure. he's got the most experience with all of them, right? I mean, him and I both sure. have had the most experience on our team uh-huh. with foldables, right? I've, I've used the Z Fold too. I actually had to do our first 24 hours with a Z Flip. And mm-hmm. I've spent a lot of time with uh, the ThinkPad X1 Fold, which... Mm-hmm. Oi. Um, but, yeah, that really uh, worked out well. Yeah. Okay. Well, but that, what, what, I mean, if you, please, please take time, dear listener and dear viewer on the stream with us right now, to go read the article because there are, we understand your questions with some of these things and we have addressed them in the blurb, right? So, in uh, Chris's write up, he wrote that, yes, you know, granted, some of them had to eat, I think the, the, the phrase he used was eat shit publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, for some for for some of the mistakes they've made, but a lot of them, uh, companies like Samsung, for example, for example, um, like did a really bad job in 2019 with their foldables then, but learned very quickly. And v, V's point was that they learned very quickly and remedied a lot of the situation. So the Z Flip was actually a really good phone, and the Z Fold Two is so good that V says V says not me V mm-hmm. says he. It was one of the rare things he went out and bought for himself after reviewing it. I was like, you do that man. all the time. You yeah. do no. He buys literally he everything. So that's yeah. That's not accurate. But, but he, he, he bought it for he, himself. I still I don't I don't know if we're at a point where we would actually recommend anybody buy these phones. I think I think to me that is a thing. Like when you cross over from the winner to the loser list, you know? Sure, sure. Yeah. I, I think that that the, the the thing is foldables went from no one should buy them yet yeah. to like these phones are actually good like the z flip i would buy in a heartbeat yeah, i mean i know we've yeah. talked about but it's so it's it's amazing the z even, i mean even, i can't wait to see the it has middling there. hardware like the the only cool thing about the z flip is that it flips into a compact little shell it does need a better outer screen there are still yeah. issues for sure but i think that um no one was expecting them to come maybe so such a long way sure, in just sure. one year um but but granted there are some foldables that are pretty crap and we will get to that on our losers list discussion <laughs> so stay tuned yeah, for that sure well, well let's <laughs> talk about a good phone because what i yeah. like what i also like because we've seen all these crazy foldables and all other phones that just go really high end cost way mm-hmm. too much money nobody should spend two months worth of rent on a phone Boy. meanwhile google's out here with the pixel 4 it's like hey buddy what's this thing 350 great phone yeah very yeah. great phone You're everything it's everything you need, you need yeah. in a yeah hey jinx yeah <laughs> So like, here's the thing, the Pixel 4a, one of the, I mean, I was just like, it's a winner. It's an mm-hmm. obvious winner. You know why? It's, I don't remember the last time a phone <laughs> received universal yeah. positive reviews. Universal. Everyone was like, 
this is like the best thing that Google has done. And I, yeah, I agree. And it's also an encouraging sign that companies can think beyond the well-heeled tech audience that we're used to like thinking of, right? I mean, think about people who don't have the money to spend this year mm -hmm. on, but still need to upgrade to a phone for this like 2020 or something. This is a solid phone. It's got flagship level performance and cameras and cost just 350. I mean, mm -hmm. What more can you ask for? But I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm looking today here, at small. Google's website, by the way, it is down to $336. So like the price is going down. Go. It's an insane deal. Exactly. I mean, most phones, like whenever they start out at a certain mm -hmm. price, drop a bit over time anyway, which means like if we're talking about flagship phones that are $1,000 over time, they become like mm -hmm. 800, whatever. But yeah, the fact that it started at 350 also meant it was eventually going to drop to like maybe 300 anyway over time yeah. and with sales, which is a good thing. This phone is, oh man, I just feel like, yes, light and budget phones Mm -hmm. have been around for a long time, right? There's been companies like Alcatel, TCL, ZTE I mean, that's been making Even them. Google, right? The the Nexus phones and were Google. all about cheap, like very, at least affordable, decent power, you know, good exactly. unlocked Android experience. Yeah. Exactly. But the point is that with the <laughs> Pixel 4a, Google did such a good job that it is embarrassing for companies like Samsung and Apple to not be able to do the same. Mm -hmm, I feel like mm -hmm. maybe Google has more software prowess, but come on. Come, Come on. on. I, I think what's uh, funny, by the way, is that the 4A is so good and we all love it. And I think everybody should buy one, uh, even if you don't need a new phone. <laughs> just get, <laughs> get one as a backup. Because um, then they released the Pixel 5 and we're like, um, hey, buddy. Right, exactly. Do exactly. we? I don't. Nobody actually needs this. You're actually giving me middling hardware now yeah. for a more yeah. premium price. That's weird. In my blurb for the Pixel 4a as a winner, I did say that like Google, because it decided to focus on affordability with the 4a, mm -hmm. they were like, what can we give for <laughs> under $400, right? And they gave us the Pixel 4a, which was incredible. They seem to have used the same tactic with the Pixel 5, <laughs> but then that led to a very disappointing product overall. Mm -hmm. And it was a boring flagship. I mean, like compared to what else the other companies have done, blah, you know? And blah. that's unfortunate. Mm -hmm. But I can't argue with the overall goal of like reducing costs for everyone. Mm -hmm. And if you look at Samsung's Galaxy S20 FE, which is <laughs> their budget phone for this year, and the iPhone SE, and even the iPhone 12 mini in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. None of these budget phones really compared to Pixel's budget phone. Mm -hmm. uh, Pixel, Google's mm -hmm. budget phone. So I, I wouldn't call the 12 mini a budget phone, right? It's just a cheaper exactly. flagship. It's, yeah. it's cheaper and it's it starts, it sets the starting price a little mm -hmm. lower. It's smaller, but... It, yeah, you know, if I were to compare the SE, I mean, that's why I shouted out the SE and the mini a little bit mm -hmm. too. Just they're a little bit lower in price. But yeah, I mean, yeah. Google did a way better job in that respect than any other company did. Shout out to Google. So let's move on from a phone that everybody should buy. To <laughs> <a> phone that <laughs> I think oh a couple people like. I know some people who love this. Richard Lai, uh, you know, on staffing gadget, loves the LG Wing. And he told yeah. us why. Yeah, he definitely. So I was like, "Hey, Richard, do you want to pitch something for the for the best and worst gadgets?" He goes, "I'll come back to you." He, he I think he do, took do like your Richard all of Lai impression now. Oh Lord, I can't, I can't. That can't, no, no, uh -uh. that I can't do a faux British accent. It's not, it's not fun. Uh, Richard Lai has Richard, the best accent on staff. Yeah, he 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 does. He's like in Hong Kong, but he studied in the UK, and his accent is very unique i can't do it but anyway so richard was like in in maybe like 10 seconds he responded he was like oh my god i love my lg wing i was like really like yeah okay 
Um, and then he kind of made a case for it in, 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 in his pitch. And I was like, you know what? Like, he isn't the only person that I've seen that feels this way. I think mm-hmm. my decision to, you know, have this on our list is because of all the other people I've seen that have played with the wing, they've all seemed so happy with it. They've seemed so <laughs> taken by it. Um, so the, my the friends, wing, Michael so what Josh, is the Michael wing, Fisher. just to refresh us, this the is the phone is that flips up, LG's right? LG's take on a dual screen phone, mm-hmm. right? Instead of making a foldable phone, they focused on this really weird form factor where it looks at first glance like a typical candy bar phone, but then it's got this swivel mechanism that you can slide the top screen up to the point where it lays horizontally yeah. on top of the so it's bottom like a, panel. a T of, of screen. Yeah. Yeah. And it co- yeah, it's sort of like a cross shape, mm-hmm. uh, like a crucifix, I guess a crucifix, I don't know. <laughs> um, and and the top screen is a bigger screen, and, the, and on the bottom, there's a little tiny little square screen that's perfect for Instagram's ratio, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's dual screen, right? So you can watch a big movie on the, lo- lo- you know, <laughs> landscape one on the top while you're, I guess, texting still, your still, friends or... Yeah. <laughs> or or feeding your Tamagotchi on the bottom. I don't know what you want to do because wow. I, okay. It has to be the strangest things because this is the strangest phone. Um you can also then in that orientation of the T flip it so you've got mm-hmm. like a long portrait one screen on the left and then maybe a tiny square on the right. There's it's look, it's not <laughs> the most practical phone. I don't <laughs> think this is something yeah. that is going to become mainstream. And Richard yeah. uh, admits as much in his blur. But it is the fact that LG, by making this, still managed to remain somewhat relevant in yeah. the smartphone industry. I mean, LG, we know, does all kinds of quirky things. I, I think the, that like, that's the main thing here, right? L- we've seen yeah. LG do weird, weird phones. They did the first, like... <laughs> They did the phone that just like had the curve the G-flex. in yep, the middle the flex. for no reason, for no reason. It just curved. Okay. They had the phone that was the second display that was just like another screen on the case. Like we love the LG's V60, weirdness. Yeah. yeah. The V60 dual screen. Thank you. Also the mm-hmm. worst names. Thank goodness <laughs> the LG wing is actually like a good name. It's a good name. Yeah. It's, it's not, not wing. Yeah, it's not, thank you. AI. Oh yeah. God. Exactly. But uh, to, to go back to the G-Flex a little bit, I think its sole <laughs> purpose was to cup a lot of people's butts. Um, because the whole thing was that you could put it in your back pocket and it wouldn't yeah. break when you sat on it. That was the whole thing. And I was just like, What's all right, it? well, thanks mm. for thinking of people's butts, LG. Like, <laughs> and here they are thinking of people's pockets still. So the LG, I mean, the other thing is also that like, unlike companies like TCL who've made like an Oppo, even who've made like trifold prototypes, who've made rollable prototypes for screens, right? Um, LG actually was able to sell this thing, like to manufacture it at a level that like it could sell it, you know? And mm-hmm. and a lot of the other, let's say second to third tier companies in the space have only been able to like deliver prototypes that barely even worked. So kudos <laughs> to LG for staying weird, honestly. Like we all need a little weird in our lives. Uh, yeah, stay weird, LG. That's our motto going into <laughs> 2021. We have a couple more investors. Let's just knock them out real quick too because I feel yeah. like these are pretty pretty easy things to talk about, right? Well, yep. the next one is telehealth, which yep. I think is so a big telehealth, thing. Yeah, so telehealth, is an obvious win this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was. I've done a lot of research. Longtime listeners of the podcast will know. Um, done a lot of research on this, and yeah, it's been it's been rising steadily over the last few years. But in 2020, because of the pandemic and everyone was stuck at home, but still needed to see their doctors <laughs> every now and then, uh, had to rely on telehealth. So the reason telehealth won too was that a lot of the regulations that stood in the way mm-hmm. uh, prior to this year 
got so quickly removed when COVID yeah. set in. The you know the U.S. government expanded Medicare coverage for telehealth nationwide. Then the FDA you know changed a lot of rules to make it easier to see a doctor from home. Um, you got the FCC uh, getting a fund uh, like a bunch of money basically to give mm-hmm. to like hospitals and other medical providers to give them the equipment to set up proper telehealth services. So basically, yeah. I mean, I. Everything. Then a huge well, pharm- a pharmacies this. too, by the way, prescriptions were easier to get right, and because exactly. of that too. Mm-hmm. Be- and Amazon launched a pharmacy service, mm. right? Microsoft did its industry cloud for healthcare. <laughs> Big companies like that were also jumping in on the trend. Mm-hmm. Which sure, we don't like corporations capitalizing on the national or global crisis, but sure. it just means that there's more options for the consumers at the end of the day, I think. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Again, I've like I was about to say, written a huge report about this. You can go look it up, and the blurb will point you to that if you just go look at our uh, winners and losers of 2020 coverage on the mm-hmm. website for yeah. all of the details. Related um, to another thing is one. Yeah. home fitness. I feel like it, it, this is all directly related, right? This year is all about yep. the stuff we can do at home, the way at we were home. able to like kind of siphon off the things we have to. You used to have to go to places to do things, but now mm-hmm. all of a sudden, home fitness is a bigger deal. There's what Apple launched, Fitness Plus, which looks cool. I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to playing with that. And you've, I've been you've playing with seen it, yep. that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, so home fitness, I mean, before Apple even announced mm-hmm. Fitness Plus, um, it existed, right? I mean, yeah. like people had whatever dumbbells at home and I've been testing like strange things like the mirror based like mm-hmm. um, workouts. And uh, sure, you know, <laughs> they were around. But again, with the pandemic, everyone was like going crazy, like gyms were closed. What are we going to do? So mm-hmm. not only did like, you know, Peloton make a bunch of money selling like it's new cheaper treadmill this year we have fitness plus launching we have uh even like the switch was sold out for some reason because i guess the was like the ring fit the ring fit and then we was had, actually yeah. sold out for a while yeah the ring fit was sold out for a while the um the vr uh the oculus quest some vr fitness apps blossomed during this time mm-hmm. basically oh and then like obviously we're going to keep seeing fitness gadgets and wearables like be made regardless but I guess people were more interested in buying these things and exploring, right? And fitness services also, like, grew. I mean, I don't have the actual numbers, but Allo Moves, uh, Peloton's, like, mm-hmm, fitness mm-hmm. subscription app, their, uh, Lululemon invested in this uh, in Mirror. I think it was Mirror AI, like a Mirror-based workout. So just all kinds of investments were made. All kinds of things were bought. People were trying to work out at home. And therefore, home fitness tech just exploded. It makes sense. It really well. Um, it makes sense. I'm actually looking. I'm getting a new machine delivered soon. Ooh. So yeah, really, really. Good what are you fitness. getting? Nothing. Nothing fancy. Yeah, I'm not getting a Peloton. Oh, okay. I'm not getting any of the cool things. Like you're getting an I, ab roller, Dev. Just uh, like- you just like a, a an elliptical that'll actually Ooh. be able to sit in my basement and be nice. all right. But yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully, like I feel like that is the main thing, by the way, because the pandemic is just making us all crazy and kind mm-hmm. of, you know, stir crazy at home. Exercising, doing those things, taking care of your health with telehealth. Like these are all things you should be doing just for your, your taking care of yourself for your self-benefit. Um, we have yeah. one more winner. And this one I need you to explain to me, please. Yes. <laughs> all right. So we talked about this briefly on the episode uh, of uh, where Dr. Nerd Love was on. It's called the Content Authenticity Initiative, and it was started by and and also, I mean, content authenticity isn't the only winner in this mm-hmm. like entry. It's basically content authenticity and TruePic, um, which is overall about online uh, verification of content. But anyway, back to mm-hmm. the CAI. 
Uh, it was an initiative led by Adobe, Twitter, and the New York Times uh, to come up with an industry standard for attribution and verification mm-hmm. of photos and videos and content like that online. Is the idea um, that you just know something is real and not deepfaked? Is that exactly, kind of it? Exactly. Okay. It's to combat deepfakes, but mm-hmm. also... Um, to make sure, yeah, something's untouched or not retouched mm-hmm. as it is shared. So when uh, you know Adobe, Twitter, and New York Times announced this back in I want to say November, um, it wasn't very clear, right? What was what was the plan? It was like we're going to have a summit in a few months, and we're going to invite every company in the tech industry to join us in finding out a solution. Sure, great. Um, but also in 2020, a company called TruePic was created, uh, and TruePic is a photo and video verification technology. Mm-hmm. The main reason I call it out is because it, it, this year in the Snapdragon 888, when it was announced, TruePic is part of the new features that the chipset will enable. So it will be it will allow for devices to use CAI compliant cameras Mm -hmm. and so when you snap a photo with your phone using whatever uh, cai protocol you can i think choose to have a cryptographic c either on or around the picture that will remain as long as the picture has been untouched as it is shared to compatible platforms Mm -hmm. which means you'll be able to have a visual cue that this picture has not been that's kind of cool edited Doctor. Yeah. Exactly. I feel like this and is to going to be me. a bigger deal down the line too. Like we're already talking about misinformation. We're talking about deep fakes, yeah. but the potential for these things to be easy to produce is yes. increasing every year. And the ability, like a single deep fake photo or video could influence an election. It could exactly. you know, influence the fate of democracy in a country. So that's where this exactly. seems Yeah, exactly. And I think it's more than just a C is also mm-hmm. like things like the date this photo was mm-hmm. taken will also be part of the attribution standard because what if someone's just using a picture from three years ago to right. con you into thinking that this person is screwing around at a bank again <laughs> or something? I don't know. Um, <laughs> that's, that's part of the issue here. And um, I mean, it's a small first step, right? And it may be easy to exploit. We don't know. We have to see. We have to put it to the test. But it's an encouraging first step. And I think that as a whole, we've needed to tackle this issue for a long time. And I'm glad to see that they're doing something about it. Okay, Sherlyn. So you you told us what was great. I'm here to dive into everything that was bad (laughs) during the year because this is where we have the most fun. And I feel like the big (laughs) thing, the thing that imploded that we knew was bad from the start and I think kind of helped us start this year off in a way um, was Quibi. (laughs) Quibi, the mobile video startup that uh, we covered at CES. Um, We talked to Jeffrey Katzenberg. We talked to the CEO. They had this whole idea of creating premium content for your phone that you're supposed to pay for. Um, And they had uh, gathered, I think, almost $2 billion in funding. It was like $1.7 billion. All to produce this like really slick looking mobile video that was trapped on your phone. You couldn't share it. Like you couldn't take screenshots. You couldn't share it. You you couldn't put it on your TV. They had some cool tech, the ability to flip from vertical to landscape mode. But Beyond that, it was it was kind of nothing. Um, mm-hmm. My Quibi review, I think, is probably uh, one of the things I really enjoyed writing this year because it was just so – it is funny to see something that just looks so bad in front of you. And you look at all these rich people and all these people investing hundreds of millions of dollars into something that is genuinely awful – And you have to take a step back and just be like, guys, what are you doing? What are we doing as an industry here? Quibi, within six months, announced that it would be shutting down. 
because no, <laughs> nobody was subscribing to it. They blamed the pandemic. They blamed a lot of things. But um, I don't think they ever admitted that nobody wanted these stupid shows. That's kind of the main thing. So read my Quibi review. Read some of our follow-up coverage. It, it's such a wild thing. Um, we said mm-hmm. from the start, mobile video, yep. it always fails. It always fails. And why does it fail? Because nobody needs it. Nobody needs it. No one's you got holding TikTok. up their phone to watch things, too. Well, like, also, for, for well, hours on that, end, I mean. But you have, we already have way too much to watch on our phone, right? right? We have right. YouTube. We have everything. You have If you have Netflix, whatever, you can still watch on your phone. And then TikTok is a thing, and we're going to talk about that next. But I, I think the success of TikTok is just that it is sort of like Zoom, right? It is the seamlessness of I hit this button, I open an app, I'm watching fun videos on my phone, and the algorithm like quickly starts shooting me to f- other fun videos. There is an immediacy and instant you know nature to it. And even though these aren't big budget videos, I think they're entertaining and they feel personal and immediate and can be really funny. TikTok you know, has like a great sharing feature too where you can remix other people's videos. I didn't think I'd end up being a fan of TikTok by the end of the year, but I really appreciate what they're doing and I do end up, it's a thing I do kind of pull up once in a while. Just be like, hey, what's going on? What's going on with the this? Uh, I love a lot of food TikTok, especially Gordon Ramsay, where he uh, you criticizes know, uh, people's food. Yeah, criticizes other people's food. There's this one guy. It is a, I think he's like a, a Chinese chef, but it's just like crazy. Like he's throwing things into a walk. He's throwing ingredients, just like crazy videos that are edited, edited like an action movie. Quibi has none of that energy. It has none of that spark. It's just all, mm-hmm. all kind of like you could tell, man, they just had a lot of money. And I don't blame the artist <laughs> for making Quibi shows because you got to get paid. Take that stupid startup money, you know, and make your shows. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen with this content. We, we don't know anything, you know, really yeah. what's going to go on from the end of Quibi. But what a disaster. And Poor it content is, creators for that platform mm-hmm. too, right? Like what happened? Yeah. They, they put in all that work for a show that just died and won't be seen anywhere else, it seems I like. I think they know. Maybe I, yeah, I, I talked to a couple of people. They were like, yeah, we know what this is. But we're getting right. paid to do this. So I think like that is one thing. That's this is money. This is one of those examples of something where I was able to sit down and look eye to eye to the people in charge of the service and tell them, I don't think anybody wants this. And they told me, no, we can definitely make like we people can pay for something else. We'll be the third service in their life. And it is really hard for me to say that to like a billionaire like Jeffrey Katzenberg, who, you know, has produced. He ran several great movie studios like he has a track record of success. Meg Whitman. Not as successful, but she ran some major leadership roles. Like these people, these older folks who have run successful businesses clearly know what they're doing. And it was a wild experience to sit down, look at them and see them basically either lie or like convince themselves that this thing was a good idea. So anyway, RIP yeah. could be. Mm-hmm. They're just out of touch. You know, but the, 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 to me, the most interesting thing out of that entire section was the fact that <laughs> It sounds like Dev, you're a TikTok user. Like, no, I am. TikTok but watcher, wow. I mean, aren't we all? Aren't we all TikTok watchers I'm now? I'm not. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. Wait, you're <laughs> not. on our video team is, but I'm not. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> oh wow. I think. Um, I think Sherlyn's a little behind the times here. Forever. Thought, I'm I always so. I'm what, what, the, what the young people were into, Charlene, but apparently not. Wow. No, listen, when you're young like I am, you don't need to follow the trends, okay? So that's what I'm saying. But TikTok was TikTok. one of our biggest losers. This it is year. actually on the loser list because of 
also the stuff they ran into this year. Can you can you break this yeah. down a little, Trillin? Yes. Uh, Carissa Bell, our social media reporter, did a fantastic job with her blurb for this, explaining exactly why TikTok was a loser. Now, first of all, they started, I mean, they, they just came under a lot of scrutiny first, mm-hmm. right? Like, senators called it out, intelligence agencies <laughs> called it out, people were like, never use TikTok on your phone. Mm-hmm. Just everyone mm-hmm. was like, this is a national security issue. Um, so that's how it kind of started, right? And then be- because it's from a Chinese company, ByteDance yeah. was a Chinese company that and owned it's not TikTok. it's not an un- like I do want to say it's not an unfounded suspicion, especially right. for government workers, especially for people like I when I was working in IT, data security like there are a lot of regulations you have to follow when you're dealing with sensitive data. So just having a yeah. fun app, you know, from a company like ByteDance who has ties we don't know to the Chinese government. Like, those are legitimate concerns, I think, for certain certain industries, yeah. Yeah, I mm-hmm. I will agree with that. And I will also say that, like, growing up in Singapore, we, mm-hmm. it's like the corruption that goes on in China is just like an open secret. Yeah, Kinda yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of my relatives go work in China. They're like, we got to bring the extra money for the under-the-table <laughs> shit. You know, it's just like, that's how it goes. So I get uh, it. I, I don't think you should um, reveal that here, Shilin, but okay, yeah. No, but that's, but that's more, no, that's, like, culturally <laughs> yeah. known. That's yeah, not yeah, even, yeah. like, we like I mm-hmm. I can't tell you like who or I, won't I, I don't think it's it's anyway. just the corruption but it is we've talked about the sort of like cold war that's been happening mm-hmm. for the past decade between China and America and Iran like a lot of major countries um I did a I did a great interview with Alex Gibney who did a documentary kind of about cyber warfare um I forgot I even did this but it was like 2015 2016 go go search Alex Gibney interview it in gadget and it is just like a thing right now. We didn't, we are at a place where cyber warfare is working in different ways. I think the 2016 election kind of showed that Russia all of a sudden had these crazy, like crazy ideas and ways to influence us. And it worked and nobody really did anything about it. So now everyone's afraid. I think they're afraid of what's next, right? Yeah. So back to why TikTok was a loser this year. So in mm-hmm. addition to all the, you know, partially relevant fears, right, that people had, <laughs> then like... uh the, a group of teens or, or people on TikTok pulled an epic prank on the I think Trump this was it. This was the key. Yeah. This was why <laughs> Donald Trump then was like, these things must go. And well, like, the, the prank was the, the TikTok, red, they got users to register for one of his rallies yeah. to make it seem yep. like a lot of people were going. But and yep, and no nothing? one showed up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was fantastic. And uh, to quote V earlier from the show, someone had to eat shit publicly. Um, and, and then he just uh, basically was like, well, uh, you're going to be banned in the U.S. unless you can find a U.S. owner. Um, and that happened. Uh, and they were issued like a deadline to find a U.S. owner. So they got interest from Microsoft, right? Microsoft wanted to figure out something. Yeah. And like a bunch of other companies were reportedly interested too, but then eventually came to a sort of agreement with Oracle and Walmart. But then that never sort of followed through. And then the ban also never really followed yeah, through even the, after the, the due deadline date for this up. ban. I feel like everything from this administration is just like, hey, um, very loud words and no follow through because that involves bluster. Nobody actually wants yeah. to do the work. Yeah. It was just like, here's an executive order. And then by the end of the deadline, when the deadline came to like pass, the election, most of the votes had been counted. And it was mm-hmm. like someone else had some other thing to pay attention to, right? They were like, well, I can't care about TikTok today because I'm losing. <laughs> so it's like, I, I, I feel like TikTok got a, like a raw deal out of all of this because in 
yes, it got a lot of attention, right? It got a lot of national yeah. media coverage and yeah. all that stuff. People who didn't would otherwise not have known what TikTok is now I do, know I do, what I it is. I think a lot of people like rush install TikTok and be like, hey, what is this? What right. is this thing going away? Right. So, yeah. How can I troll Trump, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and yes, it got a lot of like, I guess, some glory from that. Um, but at the end of the day, the company did also lose a brand new CEO like three months after mm-hmm. uh, I think they began and also had publicly <laughs> that, that guy was said, like, I did not sign up for yeah. this. <laughs> I did not I'm sign sorry. up for this war. <laughs> Bounced out of there. And then uh, the company also reported that it was having trouble hiring new people. Right. So like I think they'll be fine. These, yeah. After this. these things don't like. The company didn't leave unscathed out of all of this, right? There's still a lot of stuff that happened. And yes, mm-hmm. we think TikTok will be fine after this year. Um, but still, like, for all the for all the attention it got, TikTok, I think, had a lot of crap to deal with in 2020 and sure. lost a lot this year. For sure. Hey, uh, poor TikTok. But hey, uh, between these two losers, there's one you can actually still download. I have the Quibi app yeah. <laughs> on my phone. And it just... <laughs> throws me a app store error because it doesn't no. exist anymore it's just like a ghost of an app wow you know go, go enjoy your tiktoks i do think like it is if you I filter might. your your feed in like a fun way it is like a nice hit of joy when I everything might. is such garbage you're you're I wow might. i'm just surprised over here shalin one other thing I, look <laughs> yeah <laughs> one ahead. other thing and uh hey it's from google a company that's really known <laughs> for producing great content and services and you know products um is google stadia which launched to a lot of fanfare last year. Like they were going to, this is their cloud gaming service. They said it was going to give you the ability to just play high-end PCs from anywhere um, for a low monthly fee. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it basically sounds like it's running into all the issues every every game streaming service launched with. Um, The tech seems good, like if you can get it working, but Stadia is... It's a service that you basically have to subscribe to. You have to buy the games. It does none of it makes sense, especially when <laughs> Microsoft and even Amazon. Amazon launched their own game streaming service that is sort of like simple and easy to use. But for Microsoft, you can get Xbox uh, X Cloud service, and you mm-hmm. can do this right now, Sherlyn. Pay for it and play games on your Android devices. Um, eventually, like maybe that'll actually come to PCs. I think it's coming to iOS soon, they had announced. So mm, wow. Google launched Stadia as this big major thing, the way to like, you know, end end the gaming monopoly forever. And it just ends up being nothing because this is how Google, <laughs> this is how a lot of Google it's, services work, right? A lot of fanfare and then they don't yeah. have to follow through. They don't stick with things long enough. Who knows what's going to happen with Stadia down the line? It's still here, but it feels dead to me. I, I, I feel bad because I'm pretty friendly with the people that manage the communications for uh, Stadia stuff, right? And mm-hmm. I really want to like Stadia. I thought it was interesting because I thought it would be a way to get me into gaming. But I think Stadia has the same issue that maybe the Play Store has when it comes to apps, which is the quality of the games and the apps that are available on there don't seem to be that appealing. I mean, they did have some like big titles. The, the games are there. They're good, but them. yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think you're you're pointing to a different point, which is also that like, the pricing model doesn't make sense and it's why am i buying games for this right. service that i'm already paying for like this should be a library of things that just come with my subscription fee they can't yeah. get the basics of that those economics right which just seems yeah. ridiculous to me but anyway Cydia, um hey try it out for free if you're bored yeah. um because there are some <laughs> ways to try it out without investing too much but mm-hmm. i do think like look closer at xcloud look closer to, like all these other services um those are probably going to be better you know, game streaming platforms mm-hmm. to invest in. 
One quick thing we'll mention, and we got, we got a bunch of things here, but I do want to talk about Amazon Halo, which is this yep. product that they announced. And I'll let you describe this, but it does seem batshit to me. This is the world's worst exercise <laughs> gadget, basically, it seems like. So Amazon's Halo is a wearable that has a, doesn't have a screen. It's basically mm-hmm. like a Fitbit without a screen. And it has, it's pretty basic. It's got like an accelerometer, um, a heart rate monitor, and temperature sensor. But yeah. it's also got microphones on board. Now, some of, the, let's get, we'll get to that in a little <laughs> bit. But let's start with the very basic features, right? This is a $100 device. And when you pay that money, you, you're only getting like very basic info, like steps you've taken in a day or the heart rate at that particular time and mm-hmm. some sort of very basic sleep tracking, like sleep time, sleep duration. Um, but if you want more, like your body temperature overnight or um, your sleep zone, right? That sort of stuff that Fitbit gives you for free when you buy a Fitbit. Uh, with Amazon's Halo, you're going to have to pay for a Halo service in addition, <laughs> which is $4 uh-huh. a month. Sure, $4 a month isn't much, but the fact that, like, let's say you add 48 like, you do that for a year, that's $48. Mm-hmm. Come on, come, why? <laughs> I hate when companies, like, sell you the thing and then sell you another service to, that you have to pay for every month. That just, like, sucks you in, locks you in, yeah. and, like, turns the device into pretty much a useless thing. I mean, it's not completely useless without, but it's basically pretty much useless if you, to like, To me, that's not the, the biggest problem with this. Like, it is, That's not, okay, I know, dumb. I'm starting with the basic. It's not the biggest problem, right? Okay. Then this is what Amazon came under heavy fire for when it announced the Halo, which is the two features that it also does that that set it apart from other uh, trackers. It's one of the, it's probably the only device plus service that'll do body fat scanning, which for someone that's into their fitness or into their body composition like I am, okay, it's it's a cool thing. It's a cool service to be able to like get your body fat scan and then have that. And also, I've you know looked at some of the the marketing and spoken with some of the people, and they're saying that this is more accurate than say a bioimpedance um, like sensor or something like that, where they send an electrical current sort of through your body to break down like to see your composition. Mm-hmm. I'm into the feature, sure, but I think a lot of people were worried that it would turn into sort of like a, a gateway to fat shaming. But okay, that mm-hmm. aside, the last thing that people, and this is the most controversial piece, is that this thing with the microphones on board will detect your tone of voice. Why? Which is... Why? <laughs> I think that's the main thing. Is Can this I tell part you the of why? fitness? Okay, Can I tell, tell you me. the why? So so Amazon's whole thing is that a core component... <laughs> let, me take on, let me put on my like, Amazon marketing uh-huh, voice. Uh-huh. A core component of a person's overall well-being is their emotional health. And like, I'm, I'm making, I'm using my own words, but basically they're saying that your voice is a good indicator of how you feel and your emotion. So like for now, I sound very angry and pissed off because I'm talking about this device, <laughs> right? So if yeah. I were wearing the halo right now, which I'm going to be testing soon anyway, um, it would be like, it would be able to log that you're feeling frustrated. And because Amazon wasn't very clear with its marketing, I think, um, people were like, oh my gosh, you're going to police how I speak? Because like, mm-hmm. yo, you sound mad, bro. Calm down. Is that what the watch is going to do? It's the like, clippy no. of, uh, of fitness help right now. You sound mad. Can I help? By yeah, being yeah. your you seem annoying frustrated. Amazon you're clicking, yeah. yeah, you're clicking around too many times. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's the thing. It's like, my whole issue with this, and we're going to like blaze right through this. My whole issue with this is that like, tone of voice is so subjective. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you going to gauge if so? Like, 
Yeah. I if Listen, I'm if, a, like, if I had to judge Sherlyn based on her tone of voice, um, <laughs> I would what? never work with Sherlyn. <laughs> really? Wow. <laughs> That's saying something. But I, I, so I, I know beyond beyond Sherlyn's uh, tone that uh, she's smart and cool, and I like to work with Sherlyn. So I learn more than a fitness gadget would tell me. You know, and there's more. There's there are more cues than just yeah. voice. I think is yeah. what we're trying to say, right? I know some people who are less emotional and less expressive <laughs> with their voice. And do they always sound like they're mad? No, I mean they do sound like they're mad, but they're not always mad. You know what I mean? Like it's anyway. Um, so even though. We rarely do this where we put an, a gadget we've not tested properly mm-hmm, uh, on mm-hmm. a list like this. But I think the entire premise and the backlash that it got uh, for releasing something like this and the whole pricing model thing yeah. uh, makes There, there are too many other loser. good devices on the market to even consider this as like a thing you should have. Yeah. I, I just want to, I'm going to test it and tell you all if I really, sure. I, I have a sense that I might like it more than I do right now um, because the body fat thing is very interesting for me, but we'll, mm-hmm. we'll see. And we'll get into that when I do end up testing and explain it all to you. <laughs> Let's um so we we have a other but we have a bunch of other things on our biggest losers list. Yeah. So I'll yeah. just like knock them out quickly too because uh, hey these are things worth mentioning. Uh console and GPU pre-orders. All these yep. all this cool hardware we've talked about, it's really hard to get it. Um good luck everybody. This is both a supply chain issue and also the fact that yeah the pandemic makes it hard to get things and scalpers are out there getting things. Yep. Um, I want to make quickly sure quote- you, you buy all the consoles so Sherlyn can't get them. I feel like that oh is the, wow, the thing we want mean. here. No, no, no. And to quickly <laughs> quote Aaron, who wrote the blurb for this, uh, this fall, gamers understood or felt what it felt like to be a hype beast for once. So <laughs> there you go. That's, uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, yep. Also, Qualcomm's PC chips. Uh, <laughs> Sherlyn. Well, I, is, I there non, like- is there non-smartphone chips, basically, that eight? Yeah. I use this phrase a lot this episode, but eight shit this year. Um, They're the Apple 4, M1 competitors. Yeah. Yeah. The mm. 8CX Gen 2 was supposed to be the M1 competitor. <laughs> and it's just got no performance improvements over the original and just doesn't really do much more. And it's also not Qualcomm's fault because Microsoft and Windows suck so much on Windows uh, and Arm. Long story. I, I, think, I think it's a combination of faults here. But yeah, Microsoft certainly is not unscathed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then also Qualcomm deserves extra, extra uh, shame because the Wear 4100 this year, for some reason, supports 16 megapixel cameras for wearables. What? <laughs> this Maybe is for like thing. glasses, sure. Anyway, anyway, but similarly, the- by the way, I think we can blame Microsoft for the ThinkPad X1 Fold being yep. a mm-hmm. fundamentally useless device because Windows poor, stinks poor. with uh, foldables right now. Poor Lenovo, poor Lenovo. <laughs> the Windows is just not an OS for foldables, basically for tablets. Yeah. It's just not, and it's glitchy as hell, but they tried. Poor Lenovo, they tried. Poor Lenovo. But, uh, yeah. Also, the end of free Google Photos storage, that's bad. I, I do kind of, I, I, I'm not a fan what of a that. What a bummer. It what sucks. What a bummer. Also, because storage but- <laughs> is driving to nothing. Like, the cost of storage is nothing. Google, like... If anything, this seems like the thing to just leave on, so you're always getting people's uh, yeah. you know photo libraries. Not really, but also, mm. I mean, this year Google had several. Uh, this week, Google has several outages that they eventually <laughs> attributed to running out of storage. So I feel like maybe photos ending is a way to stay. Yeah, that I, I think they looked at their the overall company <laughs> Gmail bar at the bottom and was like, oh no. <laughs> Storage petabytes <laughs> running low. Uh, let, let's just end this. End this one feature. Maybe we can reclaim some storage. I'm going to empty my trash. going to delete some old messages. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Google has the same problems um, we do. You also brought up the Surface <laughs> Duo as a loser, which um, 
I don't. Okay, it's a it's a messy device. You reviewed it. You didn't it like is, it very yeah. much. Um, I feel like if we if we can include the LG Wing in our list of winners, I, I at least don't think the Surface Duo I, is a complete. Failure. I will say yeah. I will grant that like Microsoft did a really good job with the hardware and is one of mm-hmm. the best dual screen devices we've tested to date. But mm-hmm. I just think that um, it was a victim of poor timing. It was a victim also of sure. the glitches that were there. Um, but uh, this was something that I was in two minds about whether to put on our losers list. I will say that much. Like <laughs> I almost had a change of heart at the last minute and was like, let's exclude this. This is not that bad. But then. Uh, certain decisions had been made before the machines, that. that the machine was already running. And yeah, it was always just chugging along. I was just like, all right, well, I guess I have to add this in. But <laughs> and uh, finally, is truth on social media, which hey, yeah, we know that, that's a big loser. That's why I try to stay big off Twitter this year. at these. At this all point. the hoaxes, the fact that people were ingesting bleach. I'm sorry, you <laughs> freaking truth on social media was not around this year. What the hell? We're trying to survive an actual disease. People are killing themselves drinking bleach. Well, that that wasn't just social media. That was our leader. <sighs> But yep. whose entire platform is built on social media? Oh my God! There, there, there so. are certainly books and commentary built around this and the hellscape of the last four years we've lived through. So you know, in, enjoy, enjoy, everybody. Well, Trillian, thank you um, so much for your work. Yeah. For putting these lists together. And for all the details, I would say, guys, definitely mm-hmm. listeners and viewers, check out the the actual coverage on our website where it breaks down very clearly why these were the winners and losers. Yeah. There's and a fun video any- by Chris Velasco. Yeah. You can check him out. Yeah. <laughs> If you have any thoughts or any other things you want to add to our winners and losers of 2020 list, make sure to send us an email with your thoughts at podcast at Engadget.com. All right, let's move on to some quick news shout outs. The thing we've been talking about, the vaccine rollout for COVID-19, we've talked about the progress towards a vaccine. It seems like things have actually accelerated pretty well Mm -hmm. and pretty quickly because, um, the FDA approved uh, the Pfizer vaccine that's actually started rolling out as of last week yep. to first responders and priority folks. Uh, the Moderna vaccine was approved. I don't think that one is rolling out just yet, but things are moving. I think I've mm-hmm. read that by March to April, um, the COVID-19 group, I, I guess the task force, um, expects 100 million people to actually be able to get access to the vaccine. So nice. that is that is something. That is that is quite a bit of progress really quickly. And it kind of shows like, hey, these companies can actually move faster when they need to, because I think the big thing with pharmaceutical companies is that they are, tend to be pretty slow about these things. Um, there's still we don't know what the long term effects will this you know, will occur because of these yeah. vaccines. Um, mm-hmm. There are already side effects. People have talked about it, but. It's, it's not as bad as actually getting COVID and potentially dying. So I think that is a thing we're celebrating. Like, we're actually making some decent progress here. Stay safe, everybody, because we we're kind of in the home We could be getting back to normal stretch. soon. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which would be nice. There's been more news, though, right? <laughs> more news. I think the one of the funniest things we've seen uh, this week is Facebook attacking Apple and Apple. iOS 14 <laughs> privacy restrictions with a full-page <laughs> ne- uh, newspaper ad. Which just seems like it is part of the whole, all the big companies kind of piling on Apple, like the, you know, companies piling on Apple for the App Store as well. But this I, is and, particularly <laughs> hilarious, right? What do you, what do you think, yeah. Dylan? No, I just, it just reminds me of the time that everyone was boycotting Facebook. So they're like, ha ha, now's our turn. Let's join now, in Now's fun. our turn. But I, I do like, <laughs> yeah, one of their key points is that, um, yeah, um, small businesses, it's bad if we can't 
target ads and we're a small business, right. okay? We're Facebook. We only have a couple <laughs> billion users. You know, we don't have everybody in the world. So therefore, we are still a small business. It is absolutely ridiculous. I think Apple kind of responded with their own with their own uh, clapback being like, hey, we think we should know. We think users should know all the data these apps, right, especially Facebook, is using. Yeah. <laughs> And then it was like a long scrolling video of all the things that Facebook is tracking on your phone, on your iOS device. And that was just like, in- what an incredible clapback. Well, incredible. It's great. It's great. Um, hey, uh, I, we give Apple crap for a lot of things. We talked about the headphones last week. But I think at least at least I get privacy right in iOS and Mac OS, uh, certainly compared to most other, you know, most other software, most other platforms out there. Let's move on to what we're working on. Um, yeah. I'm juggling a couple of reviews. Like we are basically getting ready to wind down the year. So I still have some reviews. I'm finishing up my 3060 Ti review. My MacBook Pro M1 review went out, uh, working on end of year stories, working on CES planning, because we're actually organizing CES pretty much the way we always have been. So there is going to be stuff happening on stage. There's going to be a virtual video stage. We're going to have a lot of news. All these companies already have news planned. Um, So it's going to feel, I think, We'll see. We'll do a preview ahead of the actual show the first week of January. But it's going to feel like a pretty normal CS just without us actually being out there in Las Vegas. So yeah. I think that's, that seems good. What are you up to, Sherlyn? Um, yeah, all of that CS planning. I mean, there's already been briefings, you know. Yeah. Uh, this week's been full of briefings. Uh, so but much, also, yeah. Uh, yeah, the Echo Frames that I talked about last week, I think, um, that review should be going up next week. I'm shooting the video for it today, actually. Um, and then I'm reviewing, and well, testing out Apple's Fitness Plus uh, which launched this week, and we're going to have a story for that uh, next week early as well. And then I'm I, also I do want to say that seems cool. That seems really cool. Like I'm an Apple well, Watch user that hasn't used it yeah. much, so yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It. I mean, so the the issue is, I think so far, I'm I'm sensing that it's built really for beginners and people who are not super into working mm-hmm. out like i i struggle <laughs> to find any of the workouts challenging enough let's be honest You're like I, i'm um, too i'm too fit yo I'm like too give, buff. Me, give me something more uh, <laughs> <laughs> no i'm not gonna do that again tone warning anyway. tone warning <laughs> anyway test getting buff uh, is part of work um and then also you know uh the amazon halo i'm testing that out too that will take a longer time for the review to get up and then i have so like i have this huge year-end story that i've been working on for months actually uh and putting that hopefully not ten thousand word story together um <laughs> is sucking my life this week also mm-hmm. i discovered this week well this week among us was launched on Nintendo Switch. Yeah, so you you must be having fun playing Among Us with your friends, Sherlyn, because I I joke that (laughs) you'd be very good at lying and backstabbing all your friends, which I think is uh, probably accurate. (laughs) So my my friend yesterday asked me, she was like, so what's your first experience with us Among Us? Like, I was like, oh, yeah, it's great. It's fun. She was like, so did you get to be an imposter? I was like, huh? She's like, did you get to be an imposter? Yeah, yeah, the the whole point of the game, yeah. Right, I was like, I I played by myself, like, and she was like, how? I was like, well, I played the the training part of the game where all you do is go complete the tasks and like, are fix you the wires, empty you the just, trash? You just played the single player portion of Among Us. How long did you play? Single- how long have you been doing this? Um, for the last two nights, I just played here and there. I mean, like, I played for like I think Good an God. hour. You basically you turned Among Us into solitaire. You know, this is this is or the Animal joke Crossing. I make of you, Sherlyn, of playing the airplane games on the back of uh, you know, <laughs> airplane you know screens. What 
And you know the what? Wor- the scary you play, thing you're is? playing the worst game right now. <laughs> but you know what's funny is like I feel like if I were to play it with people, I'd get scared. Like I want to play in oh, this yeah. like, safe little spaceship where all I need to do is <laughs> fill the task bar. But I don't want to fake people out or I don't want to go stab people. Because my friend was then afterwards like, do you know you get like all you do in this game is stab people? I was like, no, why? Why would you do that? Well, it's so mean. And it's like painful. I don't know. I get scra- just creeped out just thinking this about that. This is very disappointing I, mean, I, I would love to stab wow. the Vindra in Among Us. <laughs> But I have yet to get there. Like, I feel like I need to brush up some skills first. I'm very, very I, I think you've mastered the art of all the stupid mini games in Among Us. Oh, yeah. I'm so good at fixing the wires. Oh, my yeah. God. Like, yeah. yes. Amazing. Amazing. This is so disappointing to me right now. Give me a pop culture pick. Give me something better than this. Okay. Okay. I think you might like that I watched this. So, okay. Uh-huh. My recommendation for this week is this movie called Vivarium. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of yeah, it, Dev? I've heard of it. Isn't it a good one? It's a pretty good one. Um, uh, it stars Jesse. <laughs> I will say right now being trapped, uh, you know, with my wife I and, guess, and yes, a baby true. in a house during the pandemic probably isn't the good time to see this movie because I know That's what this movie is about. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it stars Jesse Eisenberg and Imogen Poots and they're a couple that tries to go buy a new house in mm-hmm. look, what looks like some part of the UK. And they get into this, uh, they're taken by this real estate agent, very creepy looking real estate agent, into this <laughs> housing estate, it looks like, where uh-huh. every single house is identical and every the, it just looks endless. And then he, the real estate agent just leaves them. And then for some reason, they can't get out and they're stuck. So it was like... It sounds it's a premise that could easily go wrong, but I think it was done really well where I just couldn't stop watching. It gets annoying because you, you do get frustrated at being trapped in one place for so long, but like the the story is pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Um so that was fun to watch. Uh then the other thing I recommend I recommend is as an intellectual. Oh, where's my fake glasses? Mm. As an intellectual, um I read a book. Well, I haven't finished reading it. Whoa. But <laughs> this book is Recursion. Okay. It's a novel by Blake Crouch. Have you I've heard, uh, of, this, heard of yeah. it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really good. I mean, I'm sucked in so far. Like, the only reason I haven't finished it is because I was like, hey, you bitch, pace yourself. So <laughs> maybe I should have swore. But anyway, um, it's really, it's about the concept of memory um, and like how, how it affects your perception of reality in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, some of the opening scenes are already pretty cool. Like, there's people who are like, who have fake memories for some reason because it's a disease in this world. Um, I haven't read too far. Like, I'm only, like, 15% in, so, like, I can't even spoil mm-hmm. anything for anyone. But, like, there's just also, like, some very good futuristic sci-fi in here. There's, like, a Elon Musk-style character <laughs> in here. Um, it's very interesting, and I can't wait to finish it. But, yeah, check it out if you have time. Cool. We, what sh- are you- we should talk about more books because I, I am trying to, like, get away from screens, too. So it is a good way to change the way your brain uh, is... You know, I'll admit I read it on a screen. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I've been reading it on a screen, but I yes, mean, words. Okay, at least you're reading, right? The process but of can, taking in <laughs> words. You know why are you, are I'm you reading having it? Written, are you having it read to you? Like, are no, you no, no, no. I'm reading it, but do you know why I'm reading it? Why? Because the thing I do nowadays is I put on something on the TV and I try to do something on my phone. <laughs> and it's like, I couldn't do anything on my phone. I was like, well, I'm bored with solitaire. I just keep beating it. So like, oh I was like, I'll, I'll read a book. So I read this book while I watch TV. That's that's really I mean, what I do. Hey, that's that's something. Um, <laughs> wow, this is all this is all very disappointing and very surprising. I but know. all a very Sherlin collection of activities. So great, yes. great. I'm going <laughs> to shout out Tenet, a movie I've yes. been waiting to see pretty much since uh, it was first announced. It mm-hmm. is Christopher Nolan's, you know, big budget, big budget, weird 
James Bond thing that involves mm-hmm. timey wimey stuff. Like that, it's a mm-hmm. weird movie. Timey wimey is such a yeah timey wimey. That's the way I'm going to describe <laughs> it because that's the way the movie basically describes what's happening in it. Oh, um, boy. It's a movie. It's basically his like sci-fi ish spin on James Bond because there's like future stuff happening, but. The big hook of this movie is that things can move backwards in time. And that is like a function, like there are action scenes where things are both moving backwards and forwards. And it's kind of cool. It's visually good looking. I think it's a fun movie. We'll be reviewing it on the Slash Filmcast soon. And uh, there are some things in this movie that are just like so astounding and so like bold that I've never really seen before. But this movie is so goddamn confusing that (laughs) it is like I I don't think that part of it is good. I do like the way Nolan Mm -hmm. tends to push boundaries with genre movies and basically give us like, you know, Interstellar is a is a space movie about surfing a black hole uh, in the idea of relativity. Like like he explores big ideas, inceptions about hopping into dreams, you know, and the power that can have in people. This movie just feels like he wants to have fun and have some big action sequences, but it's way too long. You know, it has a lot of issues. Check out my full review on that. Uh, but hey, it's available now. You can actually see it without risking your life in the theater. Yeah. So if you feel like that is worth shouting out, you know. Watching it this weekend. I can't wait. Enjoy. Um, I would say focus. Do not do anything on your phone while you're oh, watching Oh, yeah. I'll be watching movie. it with, uh, with, with friends. So I'll be fine. <laughs> enjoy. Enjoy. And uh, also want to shout out How To With John Wilson, which is a show on HBO Max about um, he's a guy... John Wilson's a guy. He walks mm-hmm. around New York and he just records video. He shoots a lot of footage. I believe he was a producer on uh, Nathan Fielder's show on Nathan for You. Um, oh yeah, that that's it. That's the show. But he goes over <laughs> just random things in New York of like, hey, how? What's up with scaffolding? What's up with the scaffolding all over New York City? You know, and he goes into the business of it and kind of the idea behind mm-hmm. it. And there's some stuff I learned. It's a fun kind of a reverent show. Um, it really makes me miss New York because so much of it is about the weirdness about certain certain things that only exist in New York, right? The footage he gets is just like people fighting on the street or people watching. <laughs> it is a people watching show. So if you miss – if you're a New Yorker or former New Yorker and you miss like the vibrancy of the city, uh, this show I think captures it really well. And then like it also wraps up in a way that I think is one of the most astounding, you know, pandemic-based pieces of media I've seen. Um Fair warning, do not watch this show with your family. Do not watch it with your parents. Um, certainly not if they're a little squeamish. Okay. Because um, there was also a point in this episode, it was an episode about how to cover your furniture in plastic, right? Just like the process of a thing people do in America. I don't know if you've ever seen the Sherlin, but it's a thing that's really big with immigrant families. It is a thing. Like you buy furniture, furniture is expensive, right? If you're an immigrant family, you probably don't have much money. So you want that couch to last forever that dining set so they cover everything in plastic like from head to toe it is yeah you get it um it's the worst thing fabric not plastic yeah yeah it's the worst thing in the world um i hate it so much but the show kind of goes into that idea of it and then it goes on this tangent that i will not will not spoil here (laughs) but it's definitely one of the most like graphic and awkward and upsetting things i've ever seen on hbo so uh, oh, that's a, that's a bar. It's a uh, wow. Let me let me let me just tell you if you if you want to see first of all watch some of the early episodes before you lead up to that one because you got to get into the vibe of the show. Uh, but this show is fantastic, uh, and I love how it surprises us. And it is really just a guy who loves shooting footage around New York who's able to like craft stories around that. So I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm.
that's it for our episode this week, everyone. Thank you as always for listening. Email us your questions to podcast at engadget.com so that we have we can answer them over the next two weeks. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. Our podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Devendra online at at Devendra on Twitter or at slash filmcast at slash film.com. Check out our tenant review. That's coming soon. If you have any videos of cute corgi races, you can send them to me on Twitter at Sherlyn Lowe. You can find those on TikTok now, Sherlyn. So. Nope, just YouTube or Instagram. Thank you very much. <laughs> Email us again at podcast.engadget.com. Leave us a review, please, on iTunes. And subscribe on anything that gets podcasts, including Spotify.